Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 46 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1 Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. Tonight's episode brought to us by our good friends at S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from the youth levels all the way to the pros. Speaking of good decision makers, this evening, as always, joined by the great Kendall Rogers, the great Aaron Fitt, the great Joseph Broseph Healy. Gentlemen, happy Monday evening. How are we doing? Doing awesome. All right. All right. Living the dream, Roots. <laughs> Dramatic Let's pause. Go. Yes. Let's yes. Go. It's I always like a it. good night when I get to see Aaron Zebediah fit on here. Yes, the best. <laughs> Boys, let's get to the inane banter. Let's let's get to it rapido. Uh here's here's my question. I'm watching the only college game on tonight uh, on my little side screen here. Uh Utah Tech versus Utah Valley, which has got to be some Ooh. type of crazy rivalry. And it got me thinking about the most beautiful places I've visited in the United States. The answer to that would be Park City, Utah. It's just like drop dead gorgeous. So here's my question for you boys. And you can guess. Do you know how many of the 50 states, the 50 American states you've been to in yes. person? Fitzy, how many? 49. Whoa. What's your one? Alaska. What's your? Oh, my gosh, Fitzy. That's like the best one. Got to get there. Do you uh do you have a plan of attack for Alaska? Just waiting for whenever my wife decides to plan a trip there. I just go where I'm told, Rudes. You know this. Oh man, you need to go there for a week and cover the Fairbanks Gold Panners. Mm, go to the Midnight Coach, Sun game. Yeah, Coach Rooney's an alum. Oh my god, forty nine, impressive, Fitzy. Joseph? I don't know. Oh, well, actually, I meant to say this first. Runes, you responded when he said Alaska, you said the best one. By what metric? I mean, no disrespect to Alaska. It's beautiful. But like, what 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 would you say are the key metrics in making Alaska the best state? It was my favorite summer, arguably, of my life coaching up there. Mm. It was just felt yeah. like if only place I've ever been where the human as a human you feel like the visitor. Um, it's just like untouched. I they gave me a pickup truck to drive for the summer. The bumper was roped to the truck. It was nice. Just yeah. So that that part, um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. The best you one. Extra, you get extra RCI points at home in Alaska. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> love, it was so you, great. I love the image of coach Rooney driving a pickup truck, any, any pickup <laughs> truck, but especially uh, with one that was a bumper. I want to see you drive a pickup truck. <laughs> yeah. I want, hey, by I want the way, you to boys, drive my truck. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> three big leaguers on the gold panners that summer. David Bush was our closer. Bobby Crosby mm. was our shortstop until he broke his hand uh, after a three strikeout evening. And then Brooks Conrad was our second sacker. So it was a good go. little, good little club yeah. there. Um, I have to admit, I was, I was prepared to be kind of snarky runes and, and kind of laugh about you saying it was the best state, but you know what? That was such an earnest, like heartfelt answer that I, I just have to see <laughs> that, you know what? It prop for you, given that <laughs> sentimental memory, it probably is the best state. That was C- really, really C-E-D-E, sweet. C-E-D-E, by the way. C, yes. this is where you're going. Yes. Thank you. Gosh, dang it. Two minutes in, Joseph, already making me better. Well done. Doing my best. Uh, how many states for you, Joseph? I don't know. Like, I, I have counted it up before. It's not anything close to 49. It's I think it's in the high 20s or low 30s. I mean, the thing about it is, like, um, my mom and I used to go on a lot of road trips when I was a kid, and 
when you now it's not like the northeast i mean the northeast you could take an afternoon and knock out seven or eight states yes um but even in the south like we would we would take road trips to florida and depending on the route you take i mean you could knock out five or six just going there so i got off to a fast start as a kid but um and then having family that i would fly to visit every summer was also helpful but regardless i i you know i, I i'm not sure the number but it's probably about half of what aaron is looking at 49 is that's a mic drop right out of the shoot mm-hmm. kendall what say you do you know uh, I've probably been to like 41, 42, I would say. You, like, um, I haven't been to like Montana. I haven't been to like yeah. North Dakota. I haven't been to Alaska. I haven't oh, been to North, Hawaii yet. North Dakota is the best one. Yeah. I will say this. So here's that's my two not, cents. That's not what my scorecard says. The two says. most surprising <laughs> states. <laughs> the two most surprising states I've been to are Oregon and Maine. Uh, I'll say this. The first time I went to Oregon when I like, probably Pretty. like five or six years into covering college baseball, like my expectation level for Corvallis was like a zero. And like when I went there, like I loved it. Like I thought it was beautiful. Like everything was crazy green. The only thing I learned in Oregon after about an hour was that if you pump your own gas, you will get yelled at. Yeah. Uh, I went out there, I like got in my car, started pumping my own gas and some like hipster looking dude like runs out of the gas station. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, like, what do you mean? What am I doing? I'm pumping my gas. He's like, we don't do that here. I'm like, dude, I'm from Texas, man. Like, <laughs> we like spill our gas on the ground and nobody cares. But uh, yeah, I love I love Oregon and Maine's the other one. Uh, I have like I have like a really soft heart for New England. Like, I love Massachusetts. Like, I love Connecticut. Like, I love all those New England states. But Maine's awesome. You know, I the, the thing about having your gas pumped for you is so many states, you know, are in a situation where you pump your own gas that it sounds weird to us. Yeah, there are some states out there. Shout out also to New Jersey, New Jersey yeah. where you, you know, have someone else pump gas for you. But then if you really stop to think about it, it, it is actually kind of wild that most of the states are OK with allowing us to take this hose of flammable liquid <laughs> and, put it, and put it into our own vehicles and just trust that we're going to do it correctly and not spray it all over the place. So, and create some yeah, sort of hazard. That's, that's true. But like, I'm a compassionate person and. <laughs> Like, I don't like having someone have to pump my, like, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like that's cheap. And like, it's kind of like going to curbside groceries, right? Like even during COVID, it was like, like I'll risk getting COVID just because I don't want somebody to have to go put my groceries in my car for me. It, it just, like, I, it, I, like, I hate that idea of like, Hey, go put my groceries in the back. The, the gas know, pumping like, thing makes me uncomfortable because I always feel like I should tip them, but like, that's yeah. just not how it's done. Like you're not supposed to tip yeah. them, but I'm like, Oh my God, you know, yeah. like this guy's doing me a service, but I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. That, that, right, I don't, you, we'll, we'll save that topic. But like in the airport, when I buy a bottle of water at like the little kiosk and they're asking for a tip and it's like for a tip for what? Oh, <laughs> like that is you looked at me. The, like it's all you automated. did was, Yeah. The automated tip thing on the card readers, which in airports is pretty common now, like that yeah. is that has gotten out of and I'm I'm, you know, yes. I'm OK with tipping. I consider myself a pretty I don't have the money to be an outrageously good tipper, but I <laughs> consider myself a pretty, pretty good tipper and a willing tipper. But like it's just gotten out of control that every card reader I check out on now once asked me if I want a tip. And yeah, I'm, I'm into you, Rude. Yeah, it's we- like for for what? For who? Yeah, for I like what? when you go to like uh, yeah. you go to like Chipotle now and they ask you if you want a tip. Or like the other day, I was at a restaurant and a lady had thirty had the thirty percent box already checked. I'm like, yeah. no, 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 no. I'm not giving. Well, at least 30%. with like, at least with like Chipotle, <laughs> at least they provided a food service. Like to Runes's point, he grabbed his own bottle of water, took it to the register, and they were like, "What kind of tip would you like to give this cashier?" And so, yeah, yeah. You know, if anything, they made it harder. They wouldn't even let me hand uh, yeah. them my card. Like I but, had to do yeah. it. And by and by the way, for those of you watching, you can click in the right hand corner on the top, and it gives Runes a twenty five percent tip on yeah. the Oh, thank you. So, Boom. Yes. Runes, how about you, buddy? How many states have you been to? Uh, yeah, I was I was pretty pleased with myself. Forty six. Oh, so wow. not been to yeah. not been to South Dakota, Idaho, Montana, or Wyoming. So that northwest corridor up there. Not, yeah, Wyoming. Not... I, I want to go to well, Western Wyoming, uh, and I would love to go to Montana, like the the Missoula and all the Rockies up there are beautiful. Yep, gotta love it. All right, boys, shall we get to the the baseball? Let's let's get let's get right to our first topic. Um, so one of the big happenings over the weekend in the Florida Georgia series. Um, I can't think of the home plate umpire's name, and that's really not important. But uh, Brandon Neely, the closer for Florida, had a big punch out. It was probably a very emotional series. I'm sure it was. And whatever he did, 
Um, he was animated after the strikeout and players are really animated in 2023. I got no problem with that. Um, and he was ejected. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, both teams had already been warned because there had been some chippiness. And I, I saw that the other day in a Missouri Valley game where by the first inning, the umpire had warned both the Southern Illinois pitcher, Tanner Lewis, and had warned Evansville's dugout. So, you know, like both teams have been warned. And, and here's the point, guys, like I'm going to I'm really rough on the rules committee. I'm trying to be not like chippy at everybody. But, hey, we we crack we're cracking down on celebrations. And guess what we're getting more of taunting. So way to go. Like, that's great. Like instead of having celebrations where we're concentrating on our teammates, now are the taunting of opponents is just growing and growing. Now, are they totally related? I don't know. I might be reaching a little bit there. But here's here's my point of this, and I'm curious your guys' thoughts. I feel like we have officially put the umpires in an impossible situation because players are more animated than ever. Players commonly eyeball each other and scream at each other during contests. And the umpire's job is to control the game and not let it get out of control. And so we're going to get situations like Brandon Neely getting ejected. But but I think if if I was the umpires, I would say, you know what? I'm done with this. If you guys don't want us ejecting players and warning players and everyone's going to be all animated like this, have at it. We're just going to let the players get after each other because everyone keeps telling me that players get over it quicker and players nowadays can handle it and they can control their emotions. So if that's true, and I'm being a little bit you know, dramatic here, if I was an umpire, I'd be like, hey, go nuts, man. You guys yell and scream at each other. I'll call balls and strikes. And if it gets out of control – Coaches, knock yourself out. But I just feel like the umpires, we're telling them that, hey, like, if this thing erupts, it's on you, but you can't do anything to detonate it ahead of time. And, I, I mean, you're, you're, you're asking these guys to detonate bombs in a moving car. I just – I think it's an unfair ask of the umpires, and I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are. I mean, I know my, I know me, if I was an umpire, like, it would have to be pretty egregious for me to throw somebody out. Now – it's, it's one thing to give somebody a warning, but I think to throw someone out, I think it has to be very obvious. And, like, I'm going to throw an example out there. Jared Jones over the weekend for LSU, love Jared Jones. But, like, what he said when he hit that home run, like, to me, that is a that is a tossable offense. What Brandon Neely, from what we understand, he said, come on, let's go, and trotted off the mound. And, obviously, he glared at Georgia's dugout. But, you know, I think we made, I made this point off here a minute ago, but, like, how many closers in college baseball, like, get out of a big inning and don't glare at the other team? Yeah. Like, yeah, like his doesn't make the top 50. Like, the Brandon yeah, Neely one like, was not. That's just not, the way – like, closers are – well, I wasn't going to say bat, but they're crazy. Like, that's just the way they roll. So, like, to me, like, it's one thing if he was dropping F-bombs at George's dugout. But it's another if he did that and, and went off the went off the mound. And, and I mean, I you know, I watched it and I didn't even see him look at the dugout. I saw him look maybe in the direction of home plate, which like you could say yeah. maybe it was toward the hitter. But I didn't see him glance toward George's dugout. I don't know if I just missed it, but it looked like it was. I mean, it, for all I know, it could have been toward his own catcher. You know, I mean, like uh, it, that just it it seemed that seemed absolutely um, a punishment doesn't fit the crime situation, especially when you you have to know. I think as an umpire, you do have to recognize that you have this power to have a player automatically suspended for four games. And so, mm-hmm. like, I, I get it. Heat of the moment, umpires have to make snap decisions too. But, like, maybe let's try to show a little more restraint, you know, because, like, again, it, okay, fine. If you want to eject a guy and he can come back and play the next day, that's one thing. But, like, if he automatically has to sit out four games for screaming, come on, let's go, with maybe a look at the direction of the hitter, ah, come on, man, like, do better. I'm with you, Fitzy, except for, like, here's the here's the point. Like, we're asking – the players are showing no restraint. Like, the players have never showed less restraint than they do in 2023. And that's fine. But but we are asking the umpires to show restraint in this supercharged yeah. environment. I, I just – like, if I'm an umpire, like, I don't know what I would do because the, the teams are so chippy nowadays, and that's just kind of the style of play. What, what do I do to control that? Like, I just, I feel like I'd be on a, a hairline trigger the whole time. I don't, it just feels well, very, and what if I mishear a cuss word? You know, like, yeah. what, what am I supposed to be like reading? I, I don't know. It seems really, 
I, I can't imagine being an umpire in this environment. Well, think about think about the just the overall job of an up now. You you got to keep up with pitch clocks. You got to keep up with how when the batter is getting in the box and count those seconds. You've got to you got to keep track of all that stuff. So, like, yeah, the the ejection's silly, but like, just think of all of the the things we're putting on their plate in in today's college baseball game. It's it's kind of crazy if you think about it. And and by the way, I'm in agreement with you guys. That ejection based on the video was not good right like i'm with you i'm totally agreement there like of all the ones we've seen that one is tame like gosh if we could reduce the emotion down to that i would be all in but dude they would they'd have been like ejecting half of tennessee's team every game last year yeah if that's what we're ejecting people for joe do you have a a potential solution here or what i just i I don't know what to think of this Oh, so it's on me to come up with a solution. Yeah. You guys just do your you job, Joe. It. You have Joe. the hey, you have, hey, you have the most extensive. Vo- well, you have the most extensive vocabulary of anyone. I'm going to go get a sandwich, Joe, while you come <laughs> so up with a solution. So therefore, you get to make all the decisions. I mean, I think you were most... from the last least number of states, so it's on you. Sorry. No, fair enough. No, that's that's only fair. That's that that should actually be the measuring stick for everything. Yes. Um, I, you know, I think. I'm most interested in a solution that kind of involves taking the pressure off of in the moment decisions, because I think so much of this situation comes back to, I agree with you runes where as an an umpire's jobs are hard. They just are. And never harder than now. Um, When you add Kindle's point of how much they're keeping up with and your point of the players have never been more empowered to do, you know, to, to, to yell and, and, you know, gesture and all that kind of stuff, which I am all for. Like I, I am pro crap talking. Let me go on the record. Love it. But so the umpire is in a, in a situation where he makes right or wrong. He decides I need to step in here. I need to control this game. So he makes a decision he does or even vice versa where a player, you know, maybe the dugout's been chirping him. The umpire doesn't have all that context player on the mound or in the field pops off toward a dugout, says something he shouldn't gets tossed. So, I would like to take pressure off of those types of situations and instead be able to go back and make a better determination. So Brandon Neely gets the same four games for what he did than if a player had MF'd someone's mother on, on the field or made it extra personal. Like why, why, why could there not be? Cause it's not like we're getting hundreds of these a weekend, right? It's not like we'd have to sift through a whole bunch of them. Like, I don't know how many ejections happen in a given weekend, but it's, got to be a relatively small number why can't we go back and review the footage if you will and say okay you know what like maybe he deserved to get tossed there maybe that was i'm not agreeing with this but i'm just saying a reasonable person could say you know what maybe in the moment that's what needed to happen to calm that game down we weren't on the field with the umpire that being said that's mild enough let's sit him for the midweek game and let him come back next weekend or maybe just say yeah. the, assist, the the ejection was punishment enough because honestly, in context, he would have pitched the ninth in that game because mm-hmm. I, I was watching the game as this happened. He would have pitched the ninth, and then he didn't. He didn't pitch the ninth. They had to go to someone else. So um, maybe you say oh, that was punishment enough. He didn't finish that game. So I, I would just I think I'm most interested in solutions that involve let's be able to like look back at it with a cooling off period and make an evaluation on suspensions or other punishments there. Because it's, again, it's not like we're doing hundreds of these every weekend. Um, I'm less interested in creating more rules, more standards, more regulations around how we have to act on the field. I think we should just let people react organically and then kind of deal with the fallout. Yeah. I hate to say this. I did fix it. Well, you can treat it like the uh, the targeting rule in football. Like, you know, how in football now, in college at least, in the targeting rule, there's like degrees, right? And like with this, maybe you go back and go, okay, if there's cuss word usage, maybe you get a more severe penalty. If it's just like a recurring behavior, maybe it's a stiffer penalty, something like that maybe. I don't know. Yeah, or, this, you know, flagrant is... flagrant fouls in basketball. You yeah, know, they go exactly. back and look at film. Like, I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, yeah, 100%. Like, there just should be some sort of review, I feel like, at some point. The problem Indeed. is the verbal part of it. But I would say this, like, and this is going to come off a little sarcastic, but, you know, like, I, I keep being told that players today are so good at yelling at each other and getting over it. It's the adults that can't get over it. And I, I do believe part of that to be true. So I, I would I almost think like the, the, the uh, to your point, Joe, for the umpires, 
let's just take them out of this. If players want to yell, scream, bloody murder at each other, knock yourself out and let the coaches police it. Like it's a reflection of your team and your program. But now if, if we start throwing at people, like I do want umpires to police that where someone's literally in harm's way. But if we're just screaming at each other and that's kind of the norm these days, then whatever, you know, like umpires don't even, you know, like, Hey, you can review it later and somebody can turn it in and say, Hey, this guy's completely inappropriate. The, um, I mean, I do think we have to be careful because we did have the Seth Stevenson thing last year that I bring up all the time where, you know, he's making a run at Gabe Gross and Tim Hudson, and that could have ended very poorly. Thank God cooler heads prevailed. And then we saw the video of the junior college pitcher that, you know, WWE, that guy round and third that he thought showed him up. Those, you know, I'm, I'm referencing rare exceptions, obviously, but yeah, it's interesting. I just, I, uh, yeah, I, I, it's going to be, I don't know what to do there. Go ahead. I'm I'm inclined. I think my instincts are to agree with your, your general, um, premise here runes. I will say this One, one thing that I really don't like is the lack of any appeals process because there are times when umpires just playing screw up. Mm. with with this stuff you know there how many times have we i think back to that that ejection in omaha uh with with, with ross kivett now like you know like <laughs> kivett bangs his clipboard for launching gets, a spray chart is that what he was ejected no that well, was well, he, that was after that was post ejection like he like that was beautiful. He, like he like hit his hand on the railing after yeah. a call and the third base umpire from 200 feet away comes running over and tosses them and it's like what the hell are we doing here like yeah. umpires can screw up guys yeah. like i don't know if you've, if you've heard that if you've been to a game lately <laughs> uh, where they screw up every pitch apparently if you're at any home game uh but but the ejections given the 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 ramifications the automatic suspension hate that hate the automatic four game suspension when there's no review process whatsoever there's no accountability for an umpire with a with a short fuse who tosses yeah. somebody, uh, you know, sometimes they deserve it and sometimes they don't. And I hate the fact that, well, that's it. You know, you're screwed. You're, you're done four games. I hate that. Hate it, hate it, hate it. And I'll, let's wrap it with this, Fitzy. We are at a point in the season, I would argue there's no point in the season where a four-game suspension isn't super significant. We are officially at the point in the season where a four-game suspension has massive ramifications. So, you know, if we're considering ejecting people, we got to really slow our roll right now because yeah, Florida plays South Carolina this weekend. Yeah. Like no bueno. So anyway, Hey uh, boys, let's do uh, another partnership. One of our new partners, blast baseball. If you're ready to dominate the plate or throw somebody out of a game, blast baseball <laughs> is trusted by more MLB and college teams than any other hitting solution. The blast sensor attaches to the knob of any bat providing real time feedback with every swing, go to blastmotion.com, enter the code D one baseball, at checkout to save $10. Do not enter what Jared Jones said to the pitcher of Kentucky. <laughs> that will not save you $10. Code is D1Baseball at checkout, save $10. Thanks to our friends at Blast Baseball. Really cool stuff to help hitters uh, continue to dominate. So, uh, boys, one more uh, off-the-field issue. So, we, we, you know, we did that new recruiting calendar uh, that you reported on, Kendall, that goes into effect August, uh, April 26, which is, like, coming right up. Um, Basically, I'll try to summarize it. No, you know, contact with recruits before August 1st of the summer before their junior year of high school. So no more committing seventh graders, no more, um, you know, arranging phone calls through third parties, no more offering scholarships through third parties, all that. The only contact you can have with a kid who's younger than August 1st after a sophomore year of high school is camps. And we know that you cannot have recruiting conversations at camps. So, um, you know, I'm in favor of it. There's, I think, a couple things, and then I'll turn it over to you guys. Hey, there's no perfect answer in recruiting. Recruiting is hyper-competitive. It's Wall Street for college sports. There's always going to be bad actors. There is no perfect answer. Um, but what we had was really flawed. It did not serve any of the constituents. It was hard on families. It was hard on coaches. It didn't get us to a good place. It, it led us to bad decision-making, bad evaluations. Um, it was ridiculous, quite honestly. It had spun out of control. Softball fixed this four years ahead of us, maybe five, and their sport didn't cease to exist. It's gone just fine. Um, it won't be perfect. Uh, the law of unintended consequences will certainly come into play. But I, I sit here pleased that, that we made this change. What say you guys? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love it. I mean, I, I think anybody who's followed college baseball recruiting over the last few years and you see these – 
eighth graders, you know, all God be the glory and all this, you know, hashtags and whatnot. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, I, I, I kind of put myself in the shoes of these kids. And I think back to how big of an absolute knucklehead, I'm probably still a knucklehead to an extent, but like how big of a knucklehead I was when I was in eighth grade or even ninth grade. And like, I'm trying to imagine myself at that age going, you know what, I'm going to consider Tennessee, Ole Miss, Mississippi State and LSU. And I'm going to make my college decision whenever I'm a, I'm going into my, my ninth, my ninth grade year. And like, I can't, like, I can't even imagine that thinking back to the way I was as a ninth grader. And so I, I don't like kids making those decisions back then. I mean, I guess theoretically you can still commit uh, to a school. I mean, I guess it's, it's kind of weird to be able to commit to a school out of scholarship, but like, I, I guess like legacies could technically still commit to a school, but what this is going to do guys, this is going to make it ab- abundantly clear which schools are skirting the rules because if somebody has, you know, in two years they have, uh, you know, four or five kids committed that are sophomores or freshmen in high school. Like, how are they, how are they committed if they don't know they're going to get a scholarship offer? So I just think I don't think it's going to totally eliminate it, but it's going to do a pretty good job of it, and that mm-hmm. and that's what we needed. I just want to quickly drop a drop a Hank Hill comp on Kendall for. Uh, I don't like all these hashtags and whatnot. Just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great Hank Hill impersonation right there. Well done, Fitzy. Um, I have a question about this, actually, because somebody asked me this the other day, and I did yeah. not have an answer. What if uh, you are a ninth grader who is already committed to a school? Well, can technically, you, like, all the commitments right now are fake commitments because they're yeah, verbal you can commitments. Add, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, like, Aaron, oh, okay. yeah, so to answer your question, starting April 26, like a freshman that's committed can no longer talk to the coach. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's it's an interesting dynamic there. That's all. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm fine with it, but it's interesting dynamic. Yeah, like I, I actually would have made it like a retroactive deal. Like I would have said, hey, or like, or I guess a better term would be grandfather those people into this. The the problem is like, where do you start it? Do you start yeah. with like next year? And if you did graders? that, Kendall, there'd be all this rush to commit seventh graders in the next ten exactly. days. And I'm glad they did cold turkey because it's just nonsense. Like, think about how unhealthy that is. That there, and I know this is competitive and all this, but like to have 13 and 14 year old baseball players in America who are feeling down about themselves because they haven't committed to a college yet, like their travel ball teammate. I mean, think about how asinine that is. Yeah. And asinine. Thank you. Does that another great, Hank Hill? That's a great Hank Hill word. <laughs> well, I'll say, hey, I will show. say this. I will, I will say this about this new rule. And again, I've got plenty of friends that are in the travel ball business, but I've, of every college recruiting coordinator I've talked to, they all love it. They're like, oh, thank God. I don't, you know, thank God I can like focus on like the transfer portal and, you know, older recruits and don't have to worry about 14 year olds anymore. The only people that have approached me that complain about this are travel ball coaches, because guess what? Like a lot of these coaches and, and granted it's their livelihood. So like, I'm not, I'm not bagging on them for it. Like it is what it is, but like these guys are selling these kids on a vision, like, Hey, come play for my 13 U team in the PG Winterfest, and you'll get recruited by, you know, Johnny at Florida State. Well, like, you no longer can do that because guess what? Like, Josh Jordan at LSU does not care about watching a 13-year-old or a 14-year-old anymore. So, like, you kind of of diminish that a little bit. I agree, Kendall, but those businesses will be fine. The the guys that are running – Yeah, the the people that are running good travel ball organizations, families will always want – to be part of great organizations and you know that that will you you know all the data that these groups are capturing all that if you're running a good travel organization you'll be just fine i i really believe that and um i I don't know it's there's going to be challenges we know that there's there's no perfect solution but well i mean i view i view travel ball like the travel ball people the way i view agents like the vast majority of them are pretty cool and are, are good uh but there's just a small number that aren't very good and that's kind yeah. of how I view travel ball. I, I feel like people like lump travel ball all together. Like yeah. I, I don't do that. Like there, there are plenty of really good organizations out there. I, Kendall, I've been talking to Fitzy about that forever, that just because people are from the Republic of East Texas, you can't just lump them all together and have yeah. one attitude towards them. You got to, exactly. you know, you, we're you. using you, Kendall, as our example of empathy and sympathy. And, See, you know, compassion. Compassion. I mean, that's look the at word. this guy. <laughs> that's right i like it hey boys let's do this i want to get on a positive note so we're going to go okay. around the the conferences 
And I feel like I've just been in this like critique mode. Everything coming out of Coach Rooney's mouth is too negative. So we're going to positive it up. So tonight, as we go through the legs, I want you to share something that pumped you up. That's the expression I'm going to use. Pumped you up about the league that you saw last weekend. I'm going to start with the Southeastern Conference. And you know what pumped me up? Is we watched Kentucky win game two of that series. Not that we were rooting against LSU. Here's why it pumped me up. All right, Peter mentions. Yeah, that's right. Here's why it pumped me up. Because Kentucky had their, their hearts broken last year. You know, they just got hot too late. And it's a lot. There's a, a bunch of similar kids on this team. And that win over the, – the way they performed in that series with LSU this weekend pumps me up for Kentucky because I feel like if you're on the selection committee, you have to have seen that. Like that was yeah. really – I know Kentucky lost the series, but it pumped me up to watch those kids do that. What's the closer's name? Ryder Giles you know, came in and got some huge outs. The kid the transfer from East Carolina. So, so watching Kentucky this weekend, even though they lost the series that pumped me up because it, it really solidified for me that they're a, they're a real team. And I know their schedule's hellacious down the stretch, but I, I, I left this weekend really pumped up about, about Kentucky. Go and anybody take it. Something that pumped you up in the sec this weekend. Um, can I go with Mississippi state's fans? Ooh. Um, you know, how, how about a, a team that has, you know, well, I mean, they're playing better now the last couple of weeks, but a team that for the most part had scuffled this season, but you know, they host Ole Miss for Super Bulldog week and granted they would have had good crowds no matter what, but to break the NCAA onsite attendance record in a year where, you know, people were talking about firing this coach and firing that coach, our team's horrible. And to still have those kind of crowds with that kind of atmosphere. Like I was watching the, the, I think it was a Saturday game. And, like, it was electric. I mean, it was like it was a super regional atmosphere. And so, to me, that's what pumped me up. Like, that that right there is what college baseball is all about. Like, hey, you know what? We're not having a great season, but we're still going to show out and we're going to make this a special atmosphere. And guess what? I mean, you, you look back at the last couple of weekends and, and maybe Mississippi State's starting to find its stride a little bit. You know, they're starting to get, you know, big hits late in the games. They're starting to get big pitches late in the games. Uh, you know, Aaron Nixon yesterday against Ole Miss – threw well out of the bullpen and closed that thing out for them. So, you know, it's too early to say they're turning the corner, but there's signs of them maybe figuring it out a little bit, whereas Ole Miss just continues to, uh, to decline. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Joe or Fitzy, something that pumped you up from the SEC this weekend. Well, what pumped me up Love was a uh, shout-out Hans That's and Franz. That's not Hank Hill. Um, you know, <laughs> did somebody already do a Hans and Franz impression? I, I was I was not no, always looking no, at the video. Did okay, cool. No, nobody right. did it. Nobody did the full one like you, you did. You up. Yeah, Dana um, Harvey. Carvey, whatever. Ke- yeah, shout-out Kevin Nealon, right? Yeah, Ke- Kevin uh, Kevin ne- Yeah, Kevin Nealon. Yeah, That's yeah. right. He was great. Oh. Um. I almost accidentally—I almost just killed him because I was like, "Rest in peace." But I was thinking of Phil Hartman. I almost oh, just Phil accidentally Hartman. killed Kevin Nealon. Wow! <laughs> um, so I'm gonna go with—I'm uh, gonna go with Arkansas. You know, 
sound like a broken record because anybody who's listened to me on this podcast, anybody who's listened to me on Highway to Hoover's heard me say it about a million times, but their ability to just like, doesn't matter what's going on, doesn't matter what the injuries are, doesn't really matter who they're playing. They just figure it out, find a way. And their bullpen was was awesome last weekend. I mean, they, they got a good start from Hunter Holland and Will McIntyre was pretty, pretty solid. But, you know, they get Hagen Smith with a great outing. Gage Wood, who's just a freshman, by the way, has, has continued to get better and better as time has gone on. They're giving him an increasing amount of responsibility. And then Dylan Carter was was excellent in the finale. And you've got other Chris, Christian Fouch is a is a true freshman who wasn't throwing a lot early in the season and again just like Gage Wood they're starting to give him a little more responsibility you know Ben Bybee too to the same thing and and they will continue to get healthier Brady Tired is is going to at least give it a go coming back here in the next couple of weeks so they they could theoretically get a little bit stronger on the mound as time goes on not unlike Mississippi State and that's been a big part of why Mississippi State's back on track so um, and you know, no Jared Wagner last weekend, right? Um, and and the offense was still good enough, you know, against a Tennessee team, you know, albeit a Tennessee team that's scuffling on the mound a little bit, but um, held Tennessee to seven runs. That's the fewest Tennessee has scored in a series made up of three nine inning games since 2019. And uh, Tennessee has not won a series in Fayetteville since 1996. Wow. And you know, they're in opposite divisions, so they're not playing every year. So that's a little bit of a, a rhetorical trick, but still we're talking about what, 27 years. <laughs> so do, they, they, do, they played do better a few Berkey. Times. Do better Berkey. Come on. <laughs> Hall of Famer, Chris Burke, yeah. Chris from Louisville. Yeah, so Arkansas, so Arkansas just continues to, to, to plug away and you know, it's, um, it's just impressive that they, they just in the face of, of everything, they just kind of continue to, to plow forward when we're, when it would be easy for if they drop some games for us to kind of go like, look, what do you want them to do? You know, the injuries and, and so on and so forth. And and yet they just plow forward. That's a special team. They're like, I know these are coach cliches, but that's a team that's like bought in connected. And I, I know those things come off as cliches, but not every team is wired that way. Some team, some teams that you coach kind of act like a bunch of jackals, like they're on their own program. They don't listen. They're not, rooting for their teammates like not every team has great chemistry that team clearly has great chemistry it's fun yeah this is this is like a reinforcement of just how good Dave Van Horn is <sighs> you know it's like every single time you think like oh boy this is you know they get all these injuries and you're like oh boy this is this might be the team that just kind of takes a step back naturally and like they're right there so good Fitzy uh I'm gonna go with the young guns at the back of the Alabama bullpen um Mm. Huge, huge performance. You know, Alton, Alton Davis had a couple of saves this weekend. Boy, that's a special arm, isn't it? Yeah. Exciting young left-hander. Uh, you know, pretty electric. Riley Quick also, though, I think uh, yeah. maybe overlooked. I think three and two-thirds shutout um, in that in that rubber game. I mean, Alabama had its backs to the wall, to use another cliche, um, you know, pretty early here. Now, I mean, you lost your, four, your first four, I believe, SEC weekends. Didn't get swept in any of them, but like, they needed this one, you know, against Auburn uh, at home. And, you know, they, they found a way. They pitched well those last two games, and those, those freshmen had a lot to do with it. I do think that that's something for Alabama fans to be pretty excited about. Yep. The Alabama is the embodiment of how we always say, just don't get swept. I mean, they they haven't been great, and, and yet they didn't get swept. So now they win a series, and they're 6-9 and nine in the league, and they're headed to Missouri, and Missouri's kind of frisky at home, but that's a series you would expect them to – to have a good chance to win and so if, if they win that series they're they're sitting at eight and ten and in the sec you're kind of cooking at that point yeah um it's still, still a pretty tough road but there's there's a path there i feel like it was really easy to write alabama off especially after that friday loss to auburn and and look at them now i mean they're they're kind of right back in it and they're they're in better shape than a lot of teams we've, we've talked about having a path yeah the alabama is easy to root for because they keep not quitting like, I feel like I've showed less metal following Alabama than they've showed actually, you know, living and, and breathing the season. It's yeah. So it, the, you, you want to see those kids and those coaches rewarded because they just keep they've taken some real punches this year. And, and, and hey, Brad Bohannon is one of the all time great humans, certainly in our game, yep. certainly someone that uh, I, I would like to have, you know, see some have some success. And uh, he felt like this was his best team he's had. This team was built to win. Um, so, you know, let, let's see if they can make a run here down the stretch. Bo, in, in 2021, when they got in a little controversially, <laughs> Bo had the all-time greatest response from a coach yes. 
like every coach in the history of college sports in that situation comes off as bitter and what are you talking about? We didn't deserve it. Like, you know, like, like you're dumb or something, right? Bo did the opposite. He's like, yes. Hey, whatever. We're thrilled. And we're certainly not going to apologize. It was so great. It was like the perfect response. So gracious. And you know, cause I, I talked to him afterwards was like, man, like, I know we were probably, probably something we were pretty harsh on you guys, like for getting in, like it's nothing against you guys. We're just breaking yeah. down the case. He's like, Oh yeah, man. I don't, you know, I don't blame you. I get it. You know, I get it. And yeah. you know, like it's same thing. It's like so gracious. It was just a breath of fresh air. Awesome. So awesome. Hey boys, in the interest of time, let's do this. I'm going to assign conferences to you. Kendall, I'm going to give you the big 12. You're going to tell me one thing that pumped you up from the big 12s weekend. You cannot pass Fitzy. No. You're going to take the Atlantic coast conference. Yeah. Uh, Joseph, uh, you're going to take the pack eight as I'm calling it in my mind. Now the pack 12 you've got, and I'll take the mid major since I had a Valley game over the weekend. Kendall, give us something uh, positive um, from the big 12 last weekend. Uh, you want something, you want something positive from the big 12. You're known for your compassion. Let's uh, go well, put, it to, put it into action. Hold on. Let me, uh, let me, <laughs> <laughs> something positive. West from the Virginia. Big 12. Easy. It's let's, a layup. Let's see. The Mountaineers. Wilmington blew out TCU <laughs> in Fort bad. Worth. Keep an eye on Randy Hood's club. Not, not yeah. to do a colonial. Yeah. Don't uh, steal my mid-majors. Okay. I won't steal your mid-major, but keep an eye on UCW. They're pretty, they're pretty pesky. They got a yes. pretty good offense and, they're red hot. I think they're ten and ten and two, ten ten and three in the in the colonial right now. But TCU had a rough weekend. But you know, I think the two things that stood out to me uh, was Kansas State's offense against Kansas. You know, Kansas we had talked about you know last weekend. Took that series from West Virginia. We did the D one jinx. We wrote like a big story about how oh you know they're turning the corner with Fitz, and then all of a sudden Kansas State rolls into Lawrence and blows them out, sweeps them. Uh, so Kansas State's offense. Brady Day had a big weekend. You know, Cash Ridgely is a, a really nice hitter. Nick uh, Nick Goodwin's obviously a really talented player. Uh, and I think the other team for me, guys, and like I get they're five and ten in the Big Twelve, but like Mitch Thompson is literally getting the absolute most out of Baylor. Like he he's like the dude who has like the orange on the on the juicer, and like there's just like little drops coming out, but like it's just constantly coming out. Like he is getting that out of Baylor. Like that there's no way that team should be remotely competitive. And I'm not like bagging on the, the roster. Like I guess I kind of am, but like you <laughs> when you look at Baylor overall, like there's no reason why they should be in some of these series. And like they they almost won that Texas series. Like they had a legitimate shot. They had a tying run. I think it's second base um, in the ninth inning, and Te- and, and uh, LeBaron Johnson have shutting the door on them. But uh, like I give them a lot of credit. I watch that Sunday game. Mm-hmm. They're pesky. Hunter Toplansky's a really nice hitter. Uh, they're they're not they're not bad. And so I give credit to Mitch's staff. They've done a really, really nice job with a depleted roster. Hey, Baylor is like the cautionary tale for coaching transitions because, you know, they don't always go like Andy Stankiewicz going to USC, right? Like sometimes it's Baylor and all the good players bolt while you're looking for your new coach. And then, you know, someone like Mitch Thompson has to just, you know, like this is going to be a, not a quick rebuild. It doesn't appear. And you're right, Kendall, those kids and those coaches are really fighting. Like I, yeah, yeah, that that's impressive given all the transition and the exodus that they experienced. Well, I think I'll say this about Mitch, and I, I think what really helps him is like being a, a former junior college coach nearby. Like he knows how to do it a little, a little bit in an unorthodox fashion, and I think he knows like what clicked for them at Baylor before. Mm-hmm. And so, like I, like I, I think he's doing a really good job. I, I think he's going to be able to recruit there, and you know, I'm not saying he's going to be able to out recruit. Texas and Texas A&M when they go to the SEC and I recruit LSU when they're in the state of Texas. Like, I think he's going to get enough kids to get that program, you know, back on track and at least in the hunt for regionals. Like, if I think if Baylor can get in the hunt for regionals, I think you're happy. Yep. Right, we're all betting on Mitch Thompson for sure. Yeah. Fitzy, how about the Atlantic Coast Conference? What, what pumped you up about that league last weekend? I'm going to give you uh, the two. So I saw two series this weekend. I saw uh, Miami at North Carolina and I saw um, Florida State at NC State, and I, I was I was certainly um, impressed with what I saw from Miami. I, you know their character. I, I really, I really, I, I like the makeup of that team. You know, Me and they, they, of course, like they're Miami and they play with with a little, a little chippiness or whatever here or there. But like, you know, they, I actually kind of liked it. Like, you know, they 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 gave me a hard time. The players on the field after for, for picking picking against them. Oh, Aaron, you got that one wrong. And I'm like, hey, you know, like, but it was all in good fun. And it's like it. you, you could tell that like. 
these kids, they, they, they seem like they've got a little bit of togetherness, you know, and, and really like the, the I don't know. I just, I kind of like that the whole vibe, the whole cut of their jib, they're depleted in the mound. They didn't have Carson Ligon. Um, They just kind of pieced it together. They they really like, they went all in to, to win the middle game. They had a chance to clinch the series. You know, you, you think, all right, we're going to give the ball to Walters and, and just kind of try to ride it out. And, you know, Walters, they wind up, he pitches two great innings and then um, you know, gives them a home run and tie it. And the game keeps going and then they get walked off. And it's like, wow, like, man, that could have been, it was a gut punch loss. And then they had to come back and play an hour later and they played a really good, tight, sharp game. And um, it was impressive, you know, again, especially as they'd already used their big bullpen, bullpen guy, um, you know, Gallo, Gallo, um, who had given up the walk-off home run. An hour later, he's back on the mound starting, you know, like he just had to do what they had to do to try to make it work. And, mm. and, and then it did, you know, they, they, they won that game. So kudos to Miami. Um, but, but also, uh, you know, NC state, I mean, how many times in a row on this podcast have I said NC state, like I'm buying, let's go. Like they're they're going to make a second half run. I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you guys, you get people in the chat every week being like, Oh, is it time to push the panic button on NC state? And I'm like, no, like you guys are crazy. This team's, they got a really good roster. I mean, their position player group is, is elite for me. I mean, I really like it's, it's the, you know, I actually, I love talking to Eli Serrano after the game on Sunday, um, because you know they're they're so good in the top half of the lineup, but like then you look at the bottom half of the lineup with with Serrano and and Parker Nolan and you know Peyton Green down there and 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 Kali Harrison. I mean, uh, Serrano had a great quote. He's like, yeah, like you know we, we call ourselves the bottom feeders, you know, because like nice. yeah, sure the top half lineup can get you, but so can the bottom. Like you know, and I, awesome. I love that. I love that. But like they're they're super deep. The length of that lineup, the guys off the bench, and you've got like a Carter Trice and a Dom Polali coming off the bench. Oh it's wow. Like, yeah, no, it's it's just like they're super, super deep. Um, and and you know, I think the pitching is is good enough. You know, that was kind of the question mark in the year was did they have the arms? The rotation is solid. I mean, it's not like they have the star power that Wake Forest has, but other than Wake Forest, like they're probably the most stable rotation in that league. I mean, it's just three guys that go out there. I mean, the, the freshman Fritton is exciting. Um, he and he's a future star, maybe already a current star. He's got that kind of like like James Talon, that that vertical approach angle thing. He just comes at you with a ton of fastballs and it plays up. Uh, but I mean, you know, Whitaker and 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 Willardson are just pitchability veteran righties that really good feel for their their off speed stuff and they get you you know six seven innings most most weeks. And bullpen has been a little question mark, but I I don't you know. I kind of like their bullpen. I mean, it's not elite, but like, I like that they've got veterans like Sam Highfill and, and um, Justin Lawson back there. And, and, you know, a couple of lefties, uh, you know, I'm a big Rio Britain fan that they got from Oregon, Um, you know, and and John Moralia does his job. Good matchup guy. I mean, I think there's enough, like those four guys, I'll I'll build a bullpen on those guys. Maybe it's not going to blow you away. There's not an Andrew Walters back there, but I, I think, I think, the bullpen will be, be good enough down the stretch for them. I think, you know, they just swept Florida state as, as they should. Florida state's not good, uh, which is, which is wild, but they're just really not good. I mean, and they competed hard this weekend, you know, credit to Florida state, a team, they're four and 14 in the league. They got blown out on Friday night. They didn't quit. And they really fought hard the next two days could have won both those games. Still didn't like had their guts ripped out. I feel for, I feel for all those guys. Cause it's, you know, that's, that's, that's heavy stuff when you've got a 44 year regional streak and it's almost certainly going to end this year. Can't even and imagine. That's like, it's tough. That's tough for those guys to wear, you know, like the, the, the tradition of the program matters so much. And um, we'll see if they can make any kind of rally down the stretch. Cause I mean, they do have some good players, you know, they're not mm-hmm. like, talent wise. It's, they're not like outclassed out there, but it's just, man, it's just been tough for them. So anyway, that's a rambling non-answer, I guess, but uh, that, that's what I got. Yeah, no, that's excellent. That was that Miami North Carolina series was one of the series of the weekend. That was really compelling. Yeah. Joseph, uh, who do we give you the Pac Pacific Twelve? Indeed. Yeah. What do you? Um, what, what, you you ha- you have the Pac Twelve Network. I've been told. I do. I do. Yep. I, I heard they're right. up to fifteen subscribers this week. So it's <laughs> and you're wearing huge. your Oilers sweatshirt. Look at Boom you. You're time. very. Right, yeah. Do you have a favorite all time Oiler? Haywood Jeffries, maybe. Oh, Curtis, mm. Curtis Givens. If it's not Chris Dish, Chris Dishman. Chris Dishman's oh. a good answer. Maybe Warren Moon. That's too well known. Warren. Yeah, good. it actually it actually is Warren Moon. I I went to a couple of Oilers games uh, when when Warren Moon was there, kind of at the tail end of of his career, and I was I was really too young to remember them, but I'm told I was 
I'm told I was there. I should have said Al Del Greco, the kicker. Nice. That was because one of <laughs> you should have said one of Earl Dylan Campbell. So you should have the, said well, you know, it's before. I, I feel like I can't really claim him in that way. But one of the games that I do remember going to of the Oilers in the Astrodome was they're playing the Bengals, and of course the Bengals were awful. And it was, the, the final score was something like twelve to nine with nothing but field goals. So I was just really got <laughs> got to see a kicking worth. exhibition. Yeah. Chris Chandler, I think, was the quarterback at that point. Nice. Um, who was the running back they had back in '93? Who was who Lorenzo was White? Yo, Lorenzo Ooh. White. Yeah, good pull. Fitzy. Listen, if any of these guys played in Tecmo Super Bowl, I can tell you who they are. <laughs> That's great. My mom was a big Billy White Shoes Johnson fan. That was her. Uh, <laughs> Billy White was Widener guy. University, suburban yeah. Philly. Thank you, Chester, PA. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we should do an Oilers podcast on the side. Yes, we should. We really should. <laughs> and we start off lights. by you singing the song. Uh, That's right. Yeah, Houston, Houston Oilers. Houston, Houston Oilers. Oilers. Yeah, we have Houston lost it. Oilers, All right, Joe, one. save us with the Pac-12, please. Um, going to the state of Oregon. Good weekend for both Oregon and Oregon State. Oregon with a series win over Stanford. Oregon, uh, Oregon State sweeping. USC and I'll focus more on the Oregon State side of it because it felt like a classic Oregon State kind of weekend where they you know they they had some offensive pieces here and there do some things it was a good weekend for Garrett Forrester which I think was was big um, but they really pitched the crap out of it and I, I don't think I've fully internalized certainly not how good of a year Trent Sellers is having for them in the rotation uh, you know, 74 strikeouts and 43 and two thirds innings. Wow. Um, you know, just a ton of swing and miss there that again, I I don't think I really realized. And, and Jacob Kamatz is having a, a pretty nice year. He's not the same type of, of dominant as what Trent Sellers is doing, but then the bullpen can just throw numbers at you, right? Like I think we know Ryan Brown, but AJ Hutchinson and Tyler Mejia and AJ Lattery and Ian Lawson and, and Ben Ferrer is, is getting better and kind of coming along and, and getting back to being the Ben Ferrer that we know he he can be. And so it just feels very typical Oregon state where it's, you know, you never know what you're going to get from the lineup on day to day. And I don't just mean that from a production standpoint, it is also classic Oregon state where you don't know what the nine names are going to be on the, on the starting lineup in a given day. They like to mix and match and use different guys. And they'll, they have situations where a guy who hasn't played in five weeks will suddenly be in the starting lineup and get three starts on a weekend just because they're working on a hunch or a matchup or, or, or something like that. And so feels like a team that look, I mean, they were one in five after two weeks in the pack 12, they're 10 and eight now. So I'm not great at math. That's nine and three in their last 12 pack 12 games Four straight feels series, like, yeah. feels like they're coming on and not just that they're playing well, um, although they are obviously, but also that they're doing it in a way that feels feels pretty familiar and against pretty good competition, right? I mean, those series are USC, Oregon, Washington, and, and okay, Cal's having a tough year, but you know, this, this wasn't Utah and Arizona and Cal and all the teams that are, that are really scuffling right now. They've, they've played some good teams and they're just taking care of business. Can yep. I uh, chime in real quick? Please. Um, this Trent Sellers thing is wild to me because, you know, I saw them play 18 innings against Gonzaga in the fall and they probably used 16 pitchers or something. And I broke down the whole roster with Mitch Canham and my fall report had 18 different pitchers mentioned and Trent Sellers was not one of them. Whoa. And it's like, this guy was like totally not on my radar whatsoever. And like, it didn't really seem like he was on Mitch's radar because he didn't mention him among 18 pitchers and he's their best guy and he's freaking dominant. It's just wild how they, 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 find these guys it seems like every year they find some guy and it's like who the heck is this guy like really this ben ferrer like he's a he's a he's an all-american now yeah. like usc upstate guy who like didn't ever quite put it together i mean I, I mean it's just amazing it's just like it's just in their dna over there sellers is the nia transfer however you say it uh yeah. and clark state right yep the old f chef yep. program yep that's awesome Really cool. Uh, boys, let's do let's do the mid-majors and then we'll wrap. So this is cool. So uh, Scott Gustafson, who is the coordinating producer for college baseball at ESPN, good friend of all of ours. Yeah. We see him in Omaha every year. Gus, as he's called. Patriots, New England Patriots season ticket holder, um, which, you know, the, is important the, to one of us. The pride of Marshfield, Mass. Oh, there you go. Even better. Marshfield? Is yeah. that what you said? Yeah. 
Excellent. So I, Gus, I didn't think Aaron was claiming the Patriots still. Well, I, I, I don't, Ooh, but good I mean, question. Gus does. <laughs> That's a great call out, Kendall. Zing or hey, so uh, Gus sent out an email today that said, "Hey, who are four um, four mid majors that you think can do damage in the NCAA tournament?" And so that really got my brain cooking. So, so you guys. We talked about this a couple weeks ago where Omaha has been dominated from by teams from the power four, meaning, you know, Big 12, Pac-12, ACC and SEC. So I'm going to ask you guys a quiz question, then I'll get to my point. Over the last six NCAA tournaments in baseball, there are 16 teams who advance to Super Regionals every year. So of the 16, on average, how many of them are not? from the Big 12 or the Pac-12 or the ACC or the SEC. So my say, question is, say it again, Last five years or last six years? Did six years, last six, six years. seasons. So take a guess. So each year we've got how many from those big four conferences and how many of the 16 come not from there? I've, I've, got, I've got two total. Two is, you're saying two per year is what you're saying, Fitzy? No, I'm saying two total for those six years. I'm probably way light. Way light, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So we're talking hosts, I'm sorry. No, no, no. We're talking just advanced to super regionals. Oh, I thought you meant Omaha, oh. my dad. No, no, advanced Jesus, to super regionals. Yeah, yeah. So, so think about sixteen teams advanced to supers every year. How yeah, many? Yeah. How many are we okay. averaging that aren't from the Power Four? Joseph, what do you say? Oh, I'll say the average is four point six. Fitzy. I just want to. I just want to say this was a disgraceful display of of, of listening. Nobody listening. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like my clarity was at least average, but Fitzy made me feel like I was. It's, it's the fifty-two minute mark. My eyes are glazing over. Yes. It's um, too much cough syrup. Let's. I, I, Joe's guess is pretty good. Uh, I'm going to say three point six. Kendall. Uh. Five point two. One dollar. Oh. No. Yeah, well done. So the answer is three point three. So it's about uh, three per year, which is a pretty low number when you think about it. I mean, four leagues are accounting for thirteen spots in supers every year. But here's my point, boys. When you think about this year, it's a good list like I, I just feel like there's really so here's eight that I gave Gus right off the sh- the top. Campbell, Coastal, Connecticut, UTSA, DBU. East Carolina, Indiana State, Southern Miss. I mean, all eight of those mm. teams are really legit. And then, you know, I started pouring into some of the, the leagues that, you know, are not, are, are not as easy for a conversation like this. But, you know, Maine is 11-1 and one in the America East. Sam Houston is 14-4 in the WAC. Louis, you know, Loyola Marymount is 12-3 and three in the WCC. Yeah. Oral Roberts is 12-0 and 0 in the Summit. I mean, they're plucky. Army's 12 and two in the Patriot and there'll be, it'll be their fifth straight NCAA tournament. If they sneak in there, um, central Connecticut state, 16 and two in league play, you know, Southeastern Missouri state, 10 and two San Jose states, 11 and four, you know, you just, you go all around. Elon. Hey, Kent, yeah. Elon, the, the colonial just as a league would be a nightmare to show up in your regional Elon UNCW. Um, you know, we mentioned UConn, but Xavier's having a great year. Kent state, I want to I want to bring this up about I had, you guys know I had a Valley game last weekend. I have a Valley game coming up this weekend. So this weekend I've got Indiana State uh, and Southern Illinois. And these two programs are really good college baseball programs. And it makes me more fired up about 72 teams in the NCAA tournament. It makes me more fired up about 32 hosts. I mean, both of these teams have good facilities that could host a three-game series. They've, I'm telling you guys, Southern Illinois has got good players, a bunch of fifth-year seniors. Like you've said it, Joe, physical hitters. They've got a type. They play slow defensively. Like they don't make a bunch of errors. They've got just enough arms. Indiana State's fifth in the country in, infield, you know, in fielding percentage because they always are. You know, Mitch Hanna's teams always play outstanding defense. Um, I, I'm super fired up for this series this weekend. Uh, and, and you know what? Here's the thing. Indiana State, you mentioned this last week, Kendall. If Indiana State doesn't win the Valley Tournament and they keep playing the way they are, the Valley will get two teams in this year. Like Indiana State is their their trump card there. So anyway, I just I got I got myself really pumped up about the mid-majors this year in college baseball because there's a lot of good ones and there's a lot that they feel even more dangerous than usual to me. Do, am I am I sniffing glue or do you guys get the same sense? 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's a what stands out to me is it's a pretty wide diverse group of teams we're talking about. It's not that some years it feels like there are certain leagues like last year with the Sun Belt, right? An overrepresentative number of the mid majors we thought highly of came from the Sun Belt, uh, and this year feels sure. like a little more spread out. And I will throw a particular. Um, throw a, a particular note out there. Aaron mentioned Elon, and I think they're interesting because I think so often the archetype of the mid-major that can cause some problems is a team that can really swing it. And I think, especially in today's college baseball, mid-majors that can do that are kind of a dime a dozen and typically run into trouble when they face the higher velocity, high-end arms. Elon is kind of flips that script where they've got arms and they've got some depth there. I mean, um, Shea Sprague is like a super pitchability lefty who flummoxed Kentucky on opening day. And they've got two freshmen, Justin Mitrovich and Ryan Sprock, who are like both look like, I mean, small samples that I saw of them opening weekend, but like both look like they could be pros down the road. They've got a closer in Ben Simon, who is definitely a pro. Um, they've got a couple of relievers, Liam DeBagian and, and Joe Savino, who are putting up good numbers. Um, and so a mid-major who can pitch like that, now they'd have to do it against elite offenses. That's the trick. But that's a little different. Typically, we see the opposite, where you've got a mid-major that wants to come in there and and score a bunch of runs. And that's hard to do when they start to face an SEC or an ACC or a Big 12 club with with big-time arms. I'm more interested in the in the opposite, whereas, hey, if you've got some pitching that can slow down um, those opposing offenses, I think you're a little bit more in business, especially in a regional. And, and that was Southern Miss last year. I mean, it was elite pitching, right? Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, and this year for me, the teams that fit that kind of Southern Miss of last year mold are East Carolina, which, you know, whatever. Oh, that rotation. Year, like, their, their pitching feels like it's, it's, it's May. I don't want to get carried away because they've had some, darn good pitching staffs over the years this might be the best staff of the cliff godwin era i really like the rotation especially Mm -hmm. um but also the bullpen i mean they've got plenty of guys there and again they can mix and match they're they're deep um east carolina and dallas baptist dallas baptist i think is a real pitching staff again really good rotation and even better the bullpen it's an elite bullpen um those two teams feel like you know how many times we said it best programs that have never gotten to omaha it's, 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 I think it's East Carolina and Dallas Baptist one, one, two, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that's maybe not really up for debate uh, unless I'm totally whiffing on somebody. This feels like maybe the year, maybe they could both get there. Like I really am high on both these teams. Yep. Yeah. Can I just mention UTSA as well? I mean, we talk about a team Please. that has enough arms. I mean, they, they've got a pretty good offense with like Josh Colleen and, and guys like that. But I mean, pitching wise, I mean, they might have the best closer in college baseball and Simon Miller, like yeah. it's, you know, it's up to 95. It's a wide belt, 89, 90 mile an hour cutter. They've got a really good Friday gun, Luke Malone. I still kind of wonder about the, the rest of the rotation a little bit in a regional, but I tell you what, they are not a team I would want, I want in a uh, super regional, but they, they can match up with you really well. And the thing about Simon Miller too, is like, I saw him against rice go like four, four and two thirds. And the dude was holding his velocity. So if they get in a super, they could legitimately just go out there and start him in a game, and he'd probably be able to go the distance. Because I mean, he's gone four or five innings before. I'm with you guys. Pitching is the is the elixir, if I could use Joe's word, right? It's Ooh, like think about yeah. the Big West teams that went from 14 to 17. They all pitched. They all really, really pitched. And so, uh, totally with you, boys. Well done. Uh, Want to mention one more thing before we wrap up? Get yourself a subscription to D1Baseball.com as we head down the stretch run here. Use the code SAVE23 at checkout and get 20% off. If you type in Kurt Reed, I'm sure something good will happen, but your safer bet is to type in SAVE23 at checkout and get 20% off. Great callback. Great callback. Plus nine uh, on the uh, – what what is this, the nonsense tracker? Uh, Also, I mean (laughs) – Dropping in Kurt Reed. Pros, pro, sneaking in the house ad at the buzzer. Like, well well done. (laughs) Oh, just channeling. I, I try, I, um, oh, go speaking ahead, of Kurt Reed, I I uh, I I asked a question in this week's chat. Uh, it did not get answered. I, I asked if you guys had more information on Kurt Reed. Who's <laughs> I sent that question into the D one Baseball Weekly chat, and it was not answered. And, and frankly, I would like my money back. Who are you in the chat? Are you Joe from Durham? Are you Joe from Lufkin? Who are, who I are I just you? Put, I think I just. I think Joe I just would put be Joe. that obvious. I think I just Joe put Joe. Joe for me. I used my own name, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was I, Central Illinois. 
I just kind of wanted to know. Like, I wasn't ashamed of it. I was going to put my own name on it. I was just oh, curious. So that is were, you the one, were you the one who asked me in the chat if why Mississippi State isn't ranked? Uh, uh, no, I, this is the first time I've infiltrated. That was a legitimate chat, but, question, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Hey, boys, let's end on this. Our good friend Chris Burke, Chris from Louisville, was inducted into the yeah. Tennessee Athletics Hall of Fame this weekend, which is really cool. You guys have heard me say, arguably the best player I ever got to coach against. I got to coach against Berkey his junior year when it was just bonkers, 20 home runs, 50 steals, 2001 SEC player of the year. So um, we love Berkey. Congrats. What a great honor at a school like that. You're in the same hall of fame as Todd Helton and Peyton Manning and just remarkable set of athletes. Yeah, really remarkable. And by the way, runes, I did hear, uh, I saw on Twitter that, that Berkey did, this is shocking guys. This is really shocking. Berkey apparently like spoke like beyond the the time limit, so he just kept talking. <laughs> Did He's not. got something to say. Shocked. I know that was shocked all of us, but he just kept talking. Did, did they start playing the music like Rocky Top starts <laughs> playing over the loudspeaker? Like, oh, <laughs> that's great. All right, we'll be back here Wednesday night for the weekend preview. We'll talk about how the Rune Dogs are faring in the standings. Hashtag tied for eighth place. Um, that's it. We'll catch you next time on the D1 Baseball Podcast. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.